ವಸುದೇವಸುತೂರಮರ್ದನಂದಂ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು So we are studying the fourth uh, chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. We're talking about different kinds of spiritual practices. And they all lead to the highest um, spiritual practice and realization, which is Brahmarpanam Brahmahavi, what is called the knowledge sacrifice. Sa- sacrifice is a misleading term here. What Sri Krishna has done is all the spiritual practices whether it is meditation or knowledge or uh, pranayama all of them he has visualized them as yagya as the vedic sacrifice that's why we are calling it knowledge sacrifice but that spiritual realization that's the final goal the identity of the jivatma and paramatma and for that in 34th verse we saw how krishna said you should go to the spiritual masters and learn from them they will teach you the highest truth so what is that highest truth what are its results and how do we prepare ourselves for it this is the topic from now on till the end of the chapter from 35th verse what is that highest truth what will happen when we attain that highest truth and uh, how do we prepare ourselves for it so i am on verse 35 now yad gyatva na punar moham ಪಾಂಡವೇಷೇನಿ ಪಾಂಡವೇಡ್ ಬೈ ವಿಚ್ ಯು ವಿಲ್ ಸಿ ಆಲ್ ಕ್ರೀಚರ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ಯೋರ್ ಸೆಲ್ಫ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಇನ್ ಮೀಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಗಿವ್ಸ್ ಅಸ್ ದಿ ನೇಚರ್ ಆಫ್ ದಟ್ ಹೈಯೆಸ್ಟ್ ಟ್ರೂತ್ ವಾಟ್ ಇಸ್ ರಿಯಲೈಸೇಷನ್ what will we realize what will it be like that's what uh, sri krishna talks about same thing which he said in brahmarpanam brahmahavi he is putting in a different way here if you go to these teachers and serve them and question them with diligence which we saw in 34th verse tadviddhi pranipate and etc and then they will teach you they will impart to you that highest vedic wisdom um, which is the identity of jiva and brahman after realizing that is it possible that we may again fall back into delusion again this delusion may come back he says na punar moham evam yasya si pandava you will not fall into delusion the way you are in delusion now what is the range of the delusion starts with the basic idea that the, the basic confusion that i am the body and mind and we have that basic confusion because behind that is the ignorance of our real nature not knowing the rope we make a mistake that it's a snake not knowing that we are pure being pure awareness we make a mistake i am body and mind that is the basic confusion the basic moha first and from that comes all other moha the identity that the, the feeling that i am the doer of deeds i am the enjoyer or, or the sufferer the results of the of my own deeds uh these are my relatives and my money and my property this is my body and mind um then these are my friends and these are my enemies these are the ones i'm indifferent to all of it is samsara and all of it is moha and from it arises tension attachment sorrow um evil also 
it is only because of our attachments and inability to overcome that that we do wrong things arjuna was about to do something wrong he knew what his duty was but because these are my relatives so suppose the soldier or the policeman will not punish the evil doers or will not punish the enemy because they are my relatives that would be very wrong that's the very essence of, of being corrupt uh, i will do my duty except if they are my relative then i will not do my duty that's what arjuna was was going to do so that is called moha he says evam the way you are in delusion right now you think you will not uh, do your duty you will not fight this war that kind of delusion will never come back again once you have realized your true nature what will be the nature of that realization so very beautiful this line is so nice yena bhutani asheshena drakshasya atmanya dhomai asheshena bhutani that all the all beings um from the highest being brahma to the lowest blade of grass um you will see all of them uh, in in that one pure consciousness which you are you will see them all in yourself and you'll see yourself in all of them you will see that all beings are pervaded by one um, one brahman saguna brahman from which the entire universe has emerged he says atho mai mai means in me the saguna brahman um from which the entire universe has emerged if it has emerged from it it can, cannot be anything other than saguna brahman see if it has emerged from clay a pot clay pot it cannot be anything other than clay if the wave has emerged from water it cannot be anything other than water if it has emerged from saguna brahman ishvara god why don't i say nirguna brahman nirguna brahman nothing emerges saguna brahman is that ultimate reality conditioned by maya or associated with maya again the idea of upadhi so then only we can speak of all beings emerging from that all beings existing in that and all beings merging back into that who is that i he says krishna in me that is saguna brahman so all beings are born and they play around and they merge back into saguna brahman and you will see all beings are in the self and that they are they are appear in the self and they exist in the self and they disappear in the self what does that mean are you the same as saguna brahman self means i i myself all beings you will see uh, all are in me all are appearing in me they are not different from me and they all merge back into me and you will see all beings are appearing in god and they play around in god and they merge back into god at no point are they anything different from god notice he says two things mai in me the lord and atmanam in you the self what does it mean you the self and i the lord are really one one and the same reality so is arjuna equal to krishna no arjuna is that same reality conditioned by uh, agyana one uh, mind and one body and that is arjuna the, the person and that same reality satchidananda conditioned by maya and all the minds together and all bodies together is uh, is actually the real nature of krishna or vishnu saguna brahman but behind both are the same is the same satchidananda so this if you those who are attending the vedanta sara class you will see the uh, again and again the same point is being hammered with the um, with the example of forest and trees with the example of lake and um, the drops of water 
with the example of the sky which is limited by the forest or the trees or the sky which is reflected in the lake or in the drops of water that again and again you see uh, at the causal level at the subtle level uh, that unity that oneness is being stressed so this is exactly what is said here shankaracharya makes a dramatic comment here um, in his commentary shankara bhashya he says sarva upanishada prasiddham drakshasi kshetra kshetragya kshetragya ishvara aikyatvam sarva upanishada prasiddham drakshasi you will see the knowledge which is taught by which is well known in all the upanishads the central point of all upanishads what is that central point the identity of the individual and the cosmic how can the individual and cosmic be equal how can one and a billion be equal because it's not one it's not a billion behind both is the same infinite existence consciousness bliss he uses a technical term here kshetragya ishvara ekatvam kshetragya ishvara ekatvam kshetragya means you the witness consciousness you the witness consciousness you say i am not witness consciousness i am sarva priyananda yes but please apply all the vedanta you have learned drigdrishya viveka avastatraya vichara panchakosha viveka all of them point out that you are the witness consciousness in this body mind complex you the witness consciousness and he the lord um, saguna brahman call him vasudeva um, or vishnu or shiva whatever you call him devi they are though the two are not two both are one and the same satchidananda this apparent distinction is caused by maya again pure vedanta sar how we learned that vastu satchidananda madvayam brahma the reality is one non dual existence consciousness bliss brahman that that's nirguna brahman that because of maya now appears to you as um, ishvara and jiva as they in the language of vedanta sara samashti and vyashti samashti cosmic total vyashti individual you i separately he says all such beings all vyashtis all individuals will appear in you because you and i the cosmic you the individual and i the cosmic are both the same satchidananda very nice line yena bhutani asheshana without any without any exception all beings um i think in shankaracharya's commentary yes bhutani asheshana he says brahmadini stamba paryantani drakshasi sakshat you will see from brahma the creator brahma brahma down to a blade of grass all these beings billions of beings not only at present all those who existed in the past all those who are now living and all those who will come in the future all these beings plus of course also the entire non living universe the material universe all of that you will see sakshat directly you will see in in yourself as well as in me meaning you and i are one reality satchidananda so that's what he's saying this line atmani atho mai it is exactly the same as satchidananda uh, same as tattvamasi or aham brahmasmi pragyanam brahma um that uh, ayam atma brahma the mahavakyas 
the sentences which state the identity of Jiva and Ishwara, that Jiva and Brahma Aikyam, the same meaning is of this, this phrase, Atmani Athomai. And see the interesting thing. Just now, I was reading the teachings uh, of a Tibetan Lama. He said, telling the essence of um, Tibetan Buddhism. He says, it is this one Buddha nature which exists in all beings. He says, from the Buddha Samanta Bhadra down to the tiniest insect. Same teaching. Almost the same language. He says, all, here he says, all beings exist in me, the Satchidananda. And what that Buddhist teacher is saying, the same Buddha nature exists in all beings. In, um, in the Hindu terminology, Shankaracharya says, uh, from Brahma down to a blade of grass. The Buddhist terminology, that Lama says from the uh, Buddha Samanta Bhadra down to uh, the tiniest insect. I suppose there are not too many blades of grass in Tibetan plateau. So tiniest insect. <clears throat> so this is the knowledge. This is the teaching of all Upanishads. Bhagavad Gita also. Ultimate non-dual realization. And this is our goal. The beauty is that it already exists. And all, within quotes, all that we have to do is to recognize it. To know it and to deepen that knowing until it's a living reality. That solves all our problems. Now, how does it solve our problems? What will be the result of such realization? Come to verse number 36. Apiche sarvebhya papakrittama sarvagyana plavenaiva vrijinam samtarishyasi Translation. Even if you be the worst sinner amongst all sinners, yet you will cross all sin by the boat of knowledge alone. So our we are often um, plagued by the sense of the wrong things that we have done in the past. So the moment we develop spiritually, we become sensitive to wrongdoing. Especially, you know, the people do wrong things to us, we don't mind so much. If I am in the right, I can bear if people harass me, torture me, I can try. It will be unpleasant, but I can try. But if I have done things which are wrong, it, it really hurts. It, it plagues us. So sense of wrongdoing, it's a good thing. That shows the beginning of spiritual life. So in religions, the sense of repentance, the sense of atonement, that uh, I have done wrong. Let me change my life. I am, I am very sorry for what I have done. If I wish I did not do those things, I wish I did not say those things. I wish I did not think such thoughts. And so coming out of that wrongdoing. But we are plagued by a sense of papa. What happens? And how will this realization help me? He says, if you are the worst of sinners also, papebhya sarvebhya papakrittama, among the worst of sinners, and one commits all sorts of uh, crimes as probably we all have done in many lives past. Not in this life. In this life you are punyatma because we have come to Vedanta, and they seriously mean it. That if you have come to Vedanta, then we can generalize. You've come to spiritual life in, in any form. We have read exactly the same thing in Jainism. Jaina teachers say that if you have, the sign of a great merit is that if you have come to the teachings of Jainism. So exactly the same thing if you have come to the teachings of Vedanta or any other uh, spiritual tradition. That is the point. If you have turned to spiritual life, it shows 
punya, a great deal of punya, a great deal of merit. Uh, so basically everybody who is here, 75 people, we have 75 good souls here. So we are all punyatma. But, but there's a saying that every saint has a past. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. The famous old saying. So we have um, papa in our this life and past lives. And it has to be so. If it is not so, we would all be enlightened right now. What stops us? It is our past conditioning, our past karma. It has twofold result. One is the unpleasantness, the lack of ability, the struggles we have in our spiritual life externally. We struggle in many ways. We can struggle with ill health. We can struggle with disturbing people. We can struggle with uh, um, uh, you know, you know, financial problem, health problem. So many things can happen. So that's an external problem. That is, comes to us because of our bad karma. And internal conditioning, um, you know, desire, anger, uh, envy, jealousy, laziness, lack of interest, uh, ambition, all of these worldly things, rajasic and tamasic things, they come to us because of the, the papa karma we have done in the past. It conditioned our mind. And this together, um, the external results of our karma and the conditioning, samskaras in our mind, they prevent us from realizing God from becoming enlightened. They are slowing down our progress. So what will happen? All of this will go away when you become enlightened. He says, when you become enlightened, you will grow, go across the samsara. So samsara here is compared to an ocean. Bhavasagara. So you cross the ocean full of the waves of samsara. Waves of samsara are birth and death. Um, health and illness, wealth and poverty, name and fame and um, you know dishonor, honor and dishonor, um, cold and heat. So all of these waves which are coming in samsara are very difficult to cross over. We cross over straight away. How do you cross over? Jnana Plavena, by the boat of knowledge, by the boat of knowledge. Oh, I remember, it's, of course, this is in a Vedantic jnana f, um, format, but I remember a very nice devotional song, um, but I think by Rajanikanth or something, uh, where, where the lines are that, that I have come to the, uh, the boat stand. You have to imagine the Ganga, where Kheya means the little boats are there. So you come to the, um, the place where you catch the ghat the place where you go down the steps and take the boat, which will carry you across the other side of the Ganga. So the poet sings that, uh, will I find, oh my Lord, after my journey, my eyes blinded by the dust of, my, of the path that I have traver traversed, you know, many lifetimes we have traversed, finally we have come to you. Will I find that boat closed? Today, <laughs> all boat services suspended. That means all the transportation is not available now. Then will I say, will then this poor um, traveler, after traveling who knows how many lifetimes, and blinded and tired by the journey of you know, the dust of the journey. Dust means all the bitter experiences we have had many lifetimes. With great hope we have come to you, that you will take us across. But we find... Boat, today, both services suspended. Huh? Uh, so then why, 
then why do people call you that you are the one who takes us across bhavasagar if you will not do that this much for me uh, there are beautiful stories there again the the sim symbology of the boat taking us across samsara um kevat the boatman when ramchandra and sita and lakshman on their journey in exile they come to the river and they ask the boatman to take them across and then kevat takes them across and so the poets of course this is not then original valmiki uh, ramayana but they add so many beautiful details in when they go in the boat um then uh, that uh, kevat i think he carefully wipes uh, all the dust from the feet of ramchandra and ramchandra asks why are you doing this he said by the dust of your feet uh, the uh, rock became ahalya ahalya who was uh, waiting for ramchandra to touch up his feet the dust of your feet he became she, the rock became a woman that is the ahalya story i am a poor man if my boat becomes a woman what will i do so i am wiping out actually he just wanted to take the dust of ramchandra's feet uh, then they are going in the boat so many nice stories the poets have added then the boat is not taking a straight uh, you know take across to the other side the boat is going round and round in the middle of the river he asks ramchandra is bewildered why are you doing this i think lakshman asks the boatman ramchandra knows of all of it he smiles um he said um let me tell you a story millions of years ago uh, in in the 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 kshira sagar the cosmic ocean before the universe was created so in the, there's a cosmic ocean on which uh, the sheshanaga is there the cosmic serpent and on which vishnu is reclining and only uh, shri or, or lakshmi is uh, is there um, doing pada seva and what else nothing else so this is again see vedanta sara um, satchidananda brahman with maya when the cosmos has been dissolved no no universe is there it's all there in the hands of uh, divine mother um, lakshmi but there's no uh, universe that is the the what is called the cosmic sea the kshira sagar that itself will become the subtle universe and then the uh, gross universe which you all read about in vedanta sagar but in its uh, in its causal state it is the kshira sagar on which um, saguna brahman which is vishnu stay, is there with maya which is uh, lakshmi now in that cosmic sea there's a tortoise a little tortoise we will say with the universe has not yet been created where did the tortoise come from don't ask such stories so the little um, uh, don't ask such questions so the little tortoise is trying to climb on to sheshanaga to touch the feet of vishnu that is its uh, ambition after a lot of effort it does that uh, and uh, lakshmi who sees the little tortoise climbing up in annoyance she flicks it away you know like this she flicks it up and it goes flying back into the sea again the poor little tortoise and is whirled around and, uh, and then the boatman says that my lord i am that tortoise uh, you made me go round and round so many times now i will take you round and round at least this much <laughs> so and then they reach the other side um and then um, that beautiful story is there where ramchandra wants to pay the boatman the boatman says no i will not accept it because uh, we have this um, it's a, it's a tradition in india if you belong to the same profession you don't it's a professional courtesy yeah so you will not accept money from somebody else in the same profession i can't do that 
And Ramchandra is confused. And he says, how, why we are, how are we in the same, I'm the prince of Ayodhya, you're a boatman. How are we in the same profession? He said, yes, we are in the same profession. Uh, I take uh, people across this little river and you take people across the uh, ocean of samsara. Uh, so today I'm taking you across for free. When I come to your boat, I mean, I come to your ghat, that means to, that means at the point of death. Then please don't ask me uh, for fees. You should, you have to take me across for free. So what a very um, uh, touching kind of story. Another opposite, very funny story. I was in uh, Gangotri, um, the same story about Bhavasagar. And there was this group of beggars. They had gone for tea in one ashram. I didn't know they were beggars. They were all dressed in, uh, in Gerua. So I joined them and we were waiting for tea early in the morning. Now, I didn't know that no sadhu actually goes there. Only beggars go there for tea in the morning. And I said, when are, come Milaika, when, when are they going to give us tea? And one of those beggars, I didn't know they were beggars. He said, go inside and ask. So I went inside the ashram and they probably thought, looks like an educated man. And said, tell us what you want. I said, uh, when will the tea come? Then immediately that man must have thought he's a beggar. He said, out, out, stay out, go and stay outside. I said, okay. And then I went and I sat with the beggars and I was um, listening to their talk. So their beggars have a chief, Sardar, and there are junior beggars. So one of the junior beggars was complaining against another beggar. It's the same in every organization, whether it's a multinational corporation or, or <laughs> beggars. So this beggar was saying that, you know, yesterday, I'll tell you the Hindi and translate into English. This other beggar, you know, while we are sitting for uh, people, the, the pilgrims come and give us a little bit of money. That other beggar, he was reading a newspaper. What will the donor, the pilgrims who come and give, what will they think? This is against, you know, against work ethics. You should, should not uh, read newspaper. Then another complaint. You know, that other beggar? What did, they, what did he do? We were sitting in front of the temple and the donor came and gave one rupee to everybody. And then he asked, has everybody got? And I know, I saw that man, he got the one rupee, but he said, I did not get it. And so he got one more rupee out of it. And all the beggars went, you know, clucking, it's very bad. And uh, the chief beggar, he said, Kabhi nahi tar bhavsagar ke beech mein rah jayega. He will never cross Bhavasagar. That, that man, that beggar has violated all norms of you know, morality. So he will keep floating in the middle of Bhavasagar. Anyway, those are the Bhavasagar means the ocean of transmigration. So I was just reminded of these stories of the ocean of transmigration. Sarvam jnana plavena eva brijinam samtarishyasi. By the, um, he said, this is an ocean of sin, ocean of papa, not Bhavasagar only. Brijinam here is Papa. It is compared to an ocean which is blocking our path, path to enlightenment, which is keeping us trapped in samsara. You will go, go across immediately by the boat of knowledge. Then next one. 37. Yathedham <laughs> Jnanagni sarvakarmani bhasmasatkurute tatha. Even as a blazing fire burns the fuel to ashes, O Arjuna, even so the fire of knowledge 
burns to ashes all actions. So it says here, another example is given, like a fire burns uh, wood. So blazing fire, if you throw wood into it, it's burned to ashes. It burns it to ashes. So also our sins are burned by this fire of knowledge. Now, not only sins, notice he has moved from sins, adharma, papa, he has moved to sarva karmani, all kinds of work. So this is the law of karma. Um, all karma can be divided into dharma and adharma. Dharma is moral action, consciously done good. The result of dharma is punya, merit. And the result of punya is sukha, happiness. Dharma, punya, sukha, merit, a moral action, merit and happiness. Adharma, immoral action, consciously done wickedness. Adharma leads to papa, this is demerit. And papa leads to dukkha, suffering. So this actions have consequences. The dharma or adharma is the action. In between is the result which is generated. It's called a potency. In ancient Purva Mimamsa philosophy, this was called adrishta. So an unseen potency is generated. And that, that we don't see. That's the connecting link between the, our action which we see and the result which we will see later. Um, the pleasant and unpleasant things which will happen to us. The sukha or dukkha. And the pleasant and unpleasant could be any kind of pleasant and unpleasant at the physical level, emotional level, wherever. In between is this unseen potency. That's why we cannot connect. Why this good thing happened to us? Why this bad thing happened to us? We normally ask why this bad thing happened. We never ask why this good thing happened to us. Um, we, we, can, we cannot trace it back to which lives, what action did I did. Neither we have the memory nor we have, we have the connecting link. But it is there. Um, now, not only the papa will be removed, the demerits will be removed, but also the punya or the good will be removed. We say, hey, wait a minute, I have with great difficulty, I must have done good. Why do I want the good things to be removed? Both tie us to samsara. Swami Vivekananda says in his um, song of the sannyasin, chains though of gold are not less strong to bind. Then off with them sannyasi bold, say om tat sat om. Chains of gold, chains of gold, which will give us name and fame and success and wealth and... Uh, praise and good health and why should I give those up? Well, enjoy them, but they will trap you in samsara. And the problem is if they continued forever, it would be great. No, it will not continue. As you enjoy them, they will be exhausted immediately. And then back to square one. By a lot of punya, if you have got, then after death, one goes to heaven. That was the idea in the Purvami Mamsa, the Karmakanda of the Vedas. Do these Vedic yagyas, do these Vedic sacrifices, after death, you will enjoy uh, untroubled, a happy life in heaven. You will not be troubled by disease. You will not be troubled by troublesome people or by mosquitoes or whatever. Uh, when I first came to the United States, a monk in Hollywood was encouraging me to accept that uh, proposal to come to the United States. He said, I can promise you one thing. Uh, in Hollywood, there are no mosquitoes. And so that was an attraction. Uh, I was coming from Calcutta, full of mosquitoes, from Belurmat, which is full of mosquitoes. So finally, I ended up in Hollywood. And from the airport, I was driven to the ashram. He said, we'll give you some um, time to unpack in your room and come back. We're waiting to give you a reception. So I went to my room and opened my suitcase, which had 
would come from the aeroplane. First thing which came out was a mosquito. It had traveled with me from Calcutta. No visa, passport, nothing. Straight away, an aeroplane. It has come. How it survived, I don't know. Anyway, so you go to heaven, there are no, tr no trouble. There is no aging, no old age, no need for medical insurance, nothing. You will be forever youthful. And forever, you, whatever desires you want will be immediately fulfilled. This is wonderful. No, it is not wonderful. Because forever means a long period of time. Long period of time. And after some time, it will be exhausted. When it is exhausted, it's just like it was yesterday only. And it's gone, it's gone. They are, this is a description. Tragic description of how one falls from heaven. Saying, alas, we are undone. At least in uh, worldly life, we age and the next generation comes along. We have disease, we, have, uh, uh, we are left behind, we have solid, uh, we like loneliness and problems and slowly we go towards death and we know it is coming. But suppose it comes in suddenly, after a thousand years of enjoyment, everything is perfect, gone, go back to earth, reborn and your past karma will be upon you. So the, they fall from heaven, crying, alas, alas, we are undone. Uh, in Gita also, Krishna will say, Shine punya matya lokam vishanti. After the punya is exhausted, it will come back. So punya is ultimately no solution. It is only delayed suffering. Papa is immediate suffering. Sins will give you direct suffering. And punya will give you delayed suffering. So it says, all karmas are destroyed. Unless all karmas are destroyed, we will still continue with body and mind. One body and mind. Same mind, different bodies. Body after body after body will come. So he says, all karmas will be destroyed. By what? By knowledge. He gives another example. As fire is bur burns all um, wood. All karmas means what? The um, Sanchita karma, Agami karma, Prarabdha karma. Sanchita karma means from endless births, we have done so many things. Not all those karmas results have been uh, exhausted yet. So those karmas are waiting. They are stored up in our bank account. A cosmic bank account and uh, uh, they will give results a part of that gets uh, activated in and uh, gives rise to bodies and minds because uh, gives rise to different births so this birth for example whatever we are this body our gender our parents our health our lifetime our major events in life Secular and spiritual life. All these things are determined by our prarabdha karma. That portion of my sanchita. Sanchita literally means accumulated. That portion of my accumulated karma which is activated and comes out as prarabdha. Prarabdha means activated karma. That activated karma will determine this life. And there is also agami which will be added in the, in the course of this life. As I go through this life, I will do good and bad things. And that adds to my accumulated uh, karma that is called agami karma which will push me into the next life it is unending but the only way out is uh, enlightenment you cannot exhaust karma by just going through karma you will keep on adding only and uh, the load is endless uh, sri ramakrishna says if there is a mountain of cotton a mountain of cotton but you strike one matchstick and throw it into that it will vanish in a conflagration even if it's a mountain of cotton, it will catch fire and blaze and within seconds it will be burnt up. 
Similarly, our mountains of past karma, the only way of coming out of this, the only way to gain freedom from this machine of maya is to attain enlightenment. Jnanagni, the fire of uh, enlightenment. What will it destroy? It will destroy all sanchita karma of endless lifetimes. That is the mountain of karma. It will, there will be no agami karma, whatever has been accumulated in this lifetime and um, uh, which may come in the future, that will also not come. It will be destroyed. Only thing is, whatever is going on now, right now, that will continue. Prarabdha karma will continue. And then what is the use? The use is this. The enlightenment, um, the, the fire of knowledge will protect you against the effects of prarabdha karma. The effect of prarabdha karma will still be there. The body will not disappear. The body will be there. Illness will come. Um, the social events will keep on happening, good and bad, ups and downs. Um, your social life, financial life, all those things will continue. But knowledge will protect you from it. I am Satchidananda, Chidananda Rupa Shivoham. So somebody came and insulted me. That person who has insulted me and I, this person who has been insulted, both of us are appearances in the real I. Will I really be insulted by somebody insulting me in my dream? No, because the person who came in the dream and insulted me is I, myself. I, the dreamer, appear in that form. I, the Satchidananda, did we not just see? Atodakshasi, Sarvani Bhutani. You will see all beings from Brahma down to a little blade of grass in me. Huh? From the Buddha, Samantabhadra, down to a little insect. All beings are me. Then why should I be angry at somebody? So that Jnana will protect me. Jnana will protect me from disease. How? Will it cure cancer? Will it cure COVID? Will it cure... Uh, Sri Ramakrishna, I'm referring to his broken arm, he says. No. But I can see the disease and the body and the pain as appearances. I can see the difference between me and the level of appearances. And therefore, I can say with Sri Ramakrishna, I am in great joy. Though the cancer is there, the pain is there, I am in great joy. There's no problem. So the, the fire of knowledge will protect you against the effect of prarabdha karma. It will destroy sanchita karma. And also, no agami karma will be added to your account. On the death of the body of the enlightened person, death of the body of the Jivan Mukta, you will have Videha Mukti. You will be one with Brahman, the infinite being. There will be no further body-mind. Neither body nor mind. Again, the Tibetan teacher whose book I was reading. Clear definition. Please tell us, according to Buddhism, what is Nirvana? Tell us. He says, very precise, carefully uh, stated definition of Nirvana. He says, seizing of the five aggregates is Nirvana. Five aggregates translate as body-mind. Seizing of the body-mind is Nirvana. No more bodies and also not continuation of the mind. Exactly the same thing here. Uh, you are freed from this cage of flesh and blood. This is called uh, Videha Mukti. So first Jivan Mukti and then Videha Mukti. This is called freedom from all karmas. Sarva karmani. There is a difference in how prarabdha karma is treated compared to the other karmas. Also one more point. Can I stop and take a few questions? A lot, lot of activity in the chat and uh, some raised hands. Notice. Samiddhavagni. Um, Well-kindled fire. Blazing fire. So this points to the fact that the knowledge which we have 
It's not just something born of attending a few Vedanta Sara and a few Bhagavad Gita classes. It must be blazing knowledge. It's a blazing fire. You put stuff into it, it will just reduce everything to ashes. But if it's a, just a small flame, like a matchstick flame, then you put, um, say, a bundle of straw or something, it will get, get ex- extinguished. You just have a little bit of smoke coming out, gone. What happened to fire of knowledge? Gone. If it is not well kindled, if it is not converted into full realization, disease and pain and uh, um, problems in life, like, uh, you know, dishonor, um, financial difficulties, political difficulties, whatever it is, tensions created by near and dear ones, so all of that will affect and it will extinguish the so-called I have understood, I am Satchidananda. Understood will not do. It must be a blazing fire. That it is an absolute fact. Every time a problem comes up, which I recognize as a problem, I immediately refer it to that fire. I throw it into that fire and I see that it is overcome. It, it happens. It can be actually done. Uh, I have seen um, great people. I don't know if they are fully enlightened or not. They see the problem. It begins to affect them and then the problem is gone somehow. I've seen one monk whom I admire very much, a very senior monk. One day we were walking with him and this uh, this was in Deoghar in Bihar. And now it's Jharkhand. I, the monk was there and we, a group of disciples, um, I mean novices, brahmacharis, we were walking together with him. Not disciples, brahmacharis. And this drunk man who was dancing with a unsheathed sword and some kind of show and the there were two or three other people who had tied him to with big ropes and they were controlling him. And this man was in a frenzy. Some, he was high on some drugs or something. And he got free of those ropes and he rushed towards us. And I just, I still remember, I saw that Swami, this old Swami, 70 years old, take half a step back, flinching from the, this man who was screaming in his face and swinging the sword around. And then he stopped and he stood up straight and faced down. We were behind the Swami. He protected us. The man screamed for a moment and swung the sword in his face until the other men rushed and they caught him and pulled him back. Now I noticed that, yes, for a moment there might be, and it's, it's affecting you. Less than half a second. Immediately it's again calm. The mind is calm and face is calm. and He's not uh, excited, angry, fearful, none of them. Absolutely calm. In the, in the face of danger, in the face of problems, external problem, personal problem, even more calm, even more relaxed. So it must be a blazing fire. Now, let me see the activity in the... Yes, Ramya says from Lalita Sahasranama, Abram Hakita Janani, the mother of um, from Brahma down to a little insect, exactly. Can you elaborate on the Papa Purusha being of sin? And I've just read about it in Sri Ramakrishna's descriptions that it's like all our sins embodied in a um, in the form in an anthropomorphic form. And one can actually yogis can actually visualize it. And then it's destroyed uh, by the trident of Shiva. That's all I know. 
Praveer Babu says Bhagavatam also has a verse where this port analogy is used. Yes, it is actually a common and beautiful uh, analogy. Bill says, but the worst of sinners could never get that knowledge until great purification has taken place. Yes, it is true. It will take time. But if as purification takes place, we become more and more conscious of our sinful nature. The worst of sinners in the sinful state is not particularly worried about sin. Who becomes worried about sin? The person who has decided to change. The person who has decided to um, move uh, towards a moral, ethical life and towards a spiritual life. Then one becomes conscious. One becomes conscious of even small things. One feels that even the small things are big sins. When I see, read about accounts of saints agonizing over their sins, and you say, actually, what sin has this person committed? You think, yeah, nothing, nothing compared to what is going on in the world. But that person is affected by so much by it. Yamunacharya, the teacher of Ramanujacharya, in one of our beautiful verse, uh, is Vaishnava. He is praying to Vishnu and he says, um, I surrender to thee. When I consider my sinful nature, I cannot even ask you for forgiveness. When I consider what I am, he says to God that it's illogical. I mean, how I cannot bring myself to ask you for forgiveness. Who is he? He's a saint. So he says, in my sinful nature, I cannot ask you for forgiveness. Do with me what you will. Whatever you want, whatever punishment, whatever you want to do, how many lifetimes it may take, I, I, I am ready for that. Because I cannot even ask for you to forgive me. This is totally unreasonable. But that's a total surrender to God. Very beautiful. Another devotee says, uh, Oh Lord, you take, the, you take the examination. You examine the devotees to see whether they are fit for enlightenment. But in my case, I will examine you. If you can take meat across the ocean of samsara, then you are indeed the Lord. Because I am the worst possible candidate. I can in no way do I qualify. And if you can make it happen for me, so he turns the tables on God. You can't examine me. I'll fail, obviously. I admit that I'll fail. But what about you? Can you transform me into, uh, uh, into somebody fit for enlightenment? So these are very beautiful examples, stories. Valmiki Rick says, a good example of sinner becoming a saint. Correct. And in our own day, uh, Swami Vivekananda told the story of Pavadi Baba in Ghazipur, a very uh, austere, ascetic an um, enlightened master who used to live in this little cave. Even now the ashram is there. I haven't been there. So there's a story of how a thief broke into the ashram at night to steal the few pots and pans the saint had. And the saint came upon the thief who was going about his business. And the thief saw that this, this Pavari Baba was coming in and he got a fright and he dropped the pots and pans and uh, ran. And to his horror, he saw the saint Pavari Baba running after him. He ran faster and faster and Pavari Baba ran, ran faster after him. So, uh, so Pavari Baba must have been really fit. And through the night, the two of them ran. Finally, the thief couldn't run any further. He gasped for breath and he fell down. And the saint came to him, bowed down at his feet and offered him a bundle of... He was carrying the bundle of pots and pans. He said, Lord, I interrupted you <laughs> when you were going about your business. Please forgive me. Here, take everything that I have. Now, the result was that this thief became a monk. Afterwards, he became a sannyasi. 
and um, other monks met him that he became a very holy man after that um perhaps continue to enjoy merits also leaves us in samsara longer yes and opens the risk of accumulating more karma certainly we ac- accumulate more karma also it's, why do we want to accumulate merits see it works in this way all of us want happiness the first unwise attempt at happiness is by doing papa sin anyhow by hook or crook i'm going to enjoy my life and you know pleasure and money kama and artha these are my goals and for that if i have to overstep the limits of dharma i'm willing to do it as long as i don't get caught by the irs by the police or something i will do whatever i want so this is called the first instinctive almost animalistic desire to enjoy life it generates lot of papa it generates lot of sin and uh, it's not a sustainable lifestyle in this lifetime and it leads to disaster and definitely in the and after death it leads to hell it's and then one comes back in a much worse state in the other lives to come so this is the result of papa somehow not through memory instinctively we begin to learn as we gather samskaras of suffering we begin to learn this is not working so we move from a, uh, the person moves from a papa lifestyle a sinful lifestyle to a dharmic lifestyle um so i still want the same things i want pleasure i want success i want happiness but now in a sustainable way so i realize that moral ethical life is much better than an immoral unethical life for myself i am the uh, for a very selfish reason i want to be happy but i want to be happy in a sustainable way not in that animalistic way so people move into this 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 second stage where i am performing dharma for worldly reasons i am i am a good person this is called dharmika um, samsari you are still a samsari i want uh, uh, things of the samsara but in a dharmika way and after death i don't want to go to hell i want to go to heaven so i accumulate lot of punya but over time a deeper maturity comes this is also not working i am being whirled around in the same game again and again and again and again endlessly repeating this so is there a way to attain final peace final freedom not limited in this way so spiritual search then one becomes a mukshu as a searcher after uh, of uh, of spiritual freedom which is what we are lisa says no mosquitoes in heaven hopefully not mm Vishwanath Kara says, Swamiji also tells the story of airplane flight to illustrate that heaven is not permanent. Yes, and on other occasions I've told the story. It's a story from Swami Nishreya Shanandaji, who was in South Africa a long time ago. Um, Poonamji says, how does the ego sense ahankar get dissolved? The ahankar, I am doing this, doing the sadhana sets in. Yes, but as we are doing the sadhana, even if there's an ego that I am doing the sadhana, the result will be i realize i am not the ego that is the dissolution of the ego sense ego sense will not go away literally because it's a function of the mind we read in vedanta sar mind has this function mana buddhi chitta ahankara after the enlightenment will the mana stop functioning will the chitta stop functioning will the buddhi stop functioning no uh, will you become brain dead 
after samsara uh, after enlightenment no after samsara one may become brain dead but after enlightenment one will not become brain dead so if that is so why will the ego stop ego also will be there but you realize you are not the ego this transcendence of the ego uh, is the death of the ego it no longer has, has any hold on you and that comes through some sadhana at the beginning let it be there that i am doing sadhana but let the ego be i recognize it's only by the grace of god by the grace of the guru that i am able to do this sadhana this spiritual practice um by the way just so that it's an interesting fact to bring to your attention um in the buddhism classes which we i attended at harvard last year one thing that was a source of discussion and dispute what is the nature of the buddha after attaining enlightenment because some of the texts say there is no body there is no mind there is no thought some of the texts say he is omniscient all knowing perfect all bodies are his body and so on to which one does it become all or none you see from advaita perspective what would you say both are correct yes both are correct you are not the body not the mind as satchidananda what where is body where is mind it is all satchidananda but at the level of the transactional level vyavaharika of course everything is there and not only functions better than other worldly persons so when the discussion hot discussion was going on they gave a name um the, the, the buddha without body without mind without thought they called it brainstem buddha brainstem buddha <laughs> buddha reduced to the brain it's still a kind of very body kind of thinking it is from buddha as as the buddha nature as as pure consciousness that is beyond body and mind there is no question of body and mind there so charles chow is asking oh before that the question i heard in markandeya puranas punya bhoga in heaven suffers by the thought of hell in case he or she has gone to heaven first and had left the hell for later yes so the problems of heaven and not only the thought of future hell future birth in on earth and not only that um another thing that that the denizens of the citizens of heaven they suffer from is jealousy because there are multiple heavens there are seven heavens so i am on heaven number 1 uh, but there is uh, someone on heaven number 2 and 3 and they are better off than i have no problems but they have even better enjoyments than me and that becomes my problem why i should get that so jealousy i have, you can see it here the millionaire what else do you need no but that person is a billionaire and that other person is a multi billionaire charles chow is asking about the law for abortion question whose adharma is this act to promote promote abortion if we do bad as designated by position we will not be responsible for that bad because of a direction from higher authority so for good excuse to do more bad correct this is a difficult question um one thing is dharma is never bad so if there is something immoral um against ethics it will not be part of dharma so you cannot say it is my dharma to obey and do bad things because my my boss has commanded me the bad things which i am doing are against dharma and the result will come to me and to my boss also who has given me the order 
just because it's an order uh, that does not absolve me of uh, the karma which is generated by an immoral action punita ji is asking in our spiritual journey can we weaken the hold of samskaras um karmas on us by consciously aligning with the witness within and see the samskaras continue the maya's way yes certainly that i am the witness the sakshi and you will notice that uh, that itself weakens the hold of the samskaras the samskaras become strong when i identify with the samskaras samskaras say here somebody said something bad get angry you have righteous anger i am angry no that thing is a thought coming from my samskaras in my mind reacting to that what comes from outside it will generate anger but if i am a witness to it anger will not be generated the hold of the samskaras will be weakened by being the sakshi or noticing that i am the sakshi all right then uh, are there uh, this hands raised i think dimitri uh good evening samuje uh a question um, about the uh, the state of the brahman and uh, the from the point of view that uh, of like of the pure awareness when once uh, the uh, enlightenment has happened one realized true nature and you know that i'm always has been a brahman is it right like i'm trying kind of to use to understand it from the logical perspective if it is at all at all possible of course is it so that i am the pure witness yet uh I am able to experience everything in Maya, even though, like, without being identified, sort of, sort, sort of speak with it, right? Because, like, it's because what I catch myself often that my mind drifts into the uh, uh, considering awake, awakening as a different kind of experience, as a kind of a higher power, higher, higher experience. But in reality, when I uh, look into it, it, no, it's just like. I am the witness and that's it I have no power so is is that the limitation of uh being a human and having a you know a jiva that you know limits this awareness to this field of you only and once you know that uh, comes to pass you become pure awareness and therefore like yes samsara is there I am able to see all of it and not being identified with with that I'm not sure if I'm making sense it's the first part that to... uh, the part you talked about as uh, you realize that you're pure consciousness and then samsara <laughs> appears dreamlike to you mm-hmm. um, and not apart dreamlike in the sense of being not real although experienced and also in the sense of being not apart from you nothing in the dream is really apart from you everything is is within you Uh, so in this dream. way the, the field of you becomes like endless like i'm not any, any more limited to the field of you of dmitri yes but uh, endless in the sense it's already endless notice in a dream you the dreamer the whole dream was world endless all of it is really within you and you as the person in the dream 
you are also you have like a body in the dream and you have a particular mm-hmm. point of view in the dream so from that point of view certain things in the dream are known to you and certain things seem to be unknown to you in the mm-hmm. dream are you with me yes you are in, you have a particular point of view so yes you can see certain things and there are many things you cannot see you see some people there are many people you cannot you have the sense of a vast world out there which you are not directly aware just like the waking state right so it's so like right. there is a point of view right the the, the vantage right. point from which it's a vantage point observed. a specific a privileged point of view because you to experience that you have to have a subjective perspective and the subject is constituted by a body mind so in a dream also you have a body mind in the waking also you have a body mind but what i'm saying is this sense of a vastness which is beyond you you have only a limited dimitri perspective and there is something beyond you which other people are seeing there may be things which other people are not seeing also a vast universe out there notice it's exactly the same in the dream also mm-hmm. yet when you wake up all that was known in the dream and all that was unknown in the dream a tiny bit that was known and it seemed to be that there's a vastness that was unknown all of it was nothing other than you the dreamer's mind similarly right now you the pure consciousness which is being channelized through one perspective of dimitri is now experiencing a limited you know what you can see here smell taste touch that's your particular perspective and your thoughts of your own mind and you have the sense that there is a vastness out there all these people are there and they are experiencing different things and there are many billions of people across the world and there are stars and planets in the universe um, all of that is beyond my perspective dimitri's perspective right now now from the pure consciousness perspective this whole thing is an appearance as known to dimitri and as unknown to dimitri the entire universe right now will clearly fall into known and unknown to you mm-hmm. known to you and unknown to you that which is beyond the known and unknown which is the you the pure consciousness to it is appearing the universe as known and unknown why i'm saying this is that after enlightenment it's not that you will suddenly gain a gain a kind of a cosmic perspective where you will be able to see through everybody's eyes you, know, you will get um, you know like a cosmic uh, hacker you will be able to uh, work through all bodies and minds uh, that will that is not enlightenment uh, that is that is a specific power and it's limited to god in its ultimate extent god is the consciousness behind all bodies and mind god means saguna brahman It's and, a, it's yes, a this, and this makes yeah this makes sense while uh, let's say the jiva is still active and alive but yes. then jiva is dissolved and then what happened nothing what was always there is always there right now whatever mm-hmm. is there that always continues only that that um, consciousness which seemed to have been trapped in the jivahood it's like vast space and space in a pot in sanskrit mahakasha ghatakasha vast space and space in a pot and now i'm talking about physical space now the space in the pot is actually no different from the vast space it has it has at no point been cut off demarcated it's just for our transactional purposes it seems to be that there is some space in the pot that's not true at all the pot is in the space but that appearance of the pot having cut off mm-hmm. circumscribed a little bit of space that appearance is still there it's very difficult to overcome that kind of an uh, uh, you know illusion or appearance now when the pot is smashed you can say that the pot space becomes one with the vast space gatakasha becomes one with mahakasha the truth being the space was always one even when the pot was there 
the space was always one not nothing at all happened to that space the illusion so, of being limited to a pot will end with enlightenment the vast space remains as vast space then you say what happens to me dimitri you are that um, uh, the vast space right now and then also not the slightest difference will be there from that perspective let me put it in simpler terms which swami vivekananda so we do a morning reading today itself it was being read in the morning here in the ashram um and lady uh, i think it was the famous singer uh, opera singer who was a disciple of swami vivekananda madam kalve uh, emma kalve so she asks vivekananda no i don't want to be this impersonal i want to be the individual person this person i want to be and enlightened i want my personality to stay and swami vivekananda smiled and he said personality we don't have a personality yet a little drop of water fell in, fell into the ocean and it lamented oh i'm losing my personality where am i going and the ocean laughed and said little drop you're becoming one with billions millions of your brothers and sisters you're becoming one with the ocean you are the ocean now you are the ocean now and if you're so fond of your individuality and it says then again you can if you again want to be an individual again you can rise with the and on a sunbeam and become a cloud and rain down on the parched earth bringing love and blessings to uh, humanity so you, then what he means is you know, like you are one of those enlightened persons like himself so essentially it's a pure freedom where you yes. free to you know reincarnate and you know have the conscious experience and be free from it at the same time or just remain in the as the vastness of the ocean the vastness of the ocean and remember that that freedom is not not exactly the limited dimitri's freedom that freedom is that come that comes from god because it's equally true to say at that point if you choose to become a individual and you can rise as a drop of water in the sunbeam as vivekananda said to emakalde but sri ramakrishna says that depends on he says god's will their god's will and your will are one and the same it's it's that it's not that a, it's a negotiation between you and uh, god is going on should i go back and not <laughs> but isn't it like in that state there is no individual anymore yes it's just consciousness there is it's no my will or somebody else yet will. it can come back as individuals and why not look that same consciousness is coming as 7 billion human individuals and countless uh, billions of other living beings now it is happening right now and they are in delusion which means that in in theory what could happen the, the whole cycle will repeat again there will be hmm. like a dimitri 2.0 which also will be starting no, its journey from no as he just from... said that 2.0 will be an enlightened dimitri with never in any danger of samsara so for for that coming out of um, uh, of the infinite consciousness of brahman would be something like uh, say vivekananda has come like that so that vivekananda coming has, at no point was he in danger of uh, slipping away from enlightenment and getting trapped in this world of samsara um, but that's later advaita vedanta doesn't even go there advaita vedanta is um why are you asking about being in the pot and the pot is broken and you are the vast space and then again i want to be in a pot at no point were you in the space in the pot you're always space the pot appeared in you as many pots are appearing right now and again the pot was destroyed you want another pot to appear in you it's it's um, definitely that can happen but you are always there so that's yeah, that's so where the, advaita vedanta stops and, and and yes and this is clear the one the only one remaining unclarity for me yet that i cannot quite grasp 
is that then uh, why did I like, well, quote unquote, why did I begin as Dimitri 1.0? Ah, the answer always would be that uh, you did not. Yes, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> you did not. You'll say that, but that's paradoxical. That's precisely so. This very paradoxical thing is what is called Maya. If it actually happened, I began as Dimitri 1.0, ended it. Is there a problem? Is there a possibility, danger of coming back as Dimitri uh, 2.0? No. If it really did happen, those questions would be valid. If it has not happened, the questions are not valid anymore. Then the only question remains is, how can I realize that by which um, this invalidity is shown to me? That it did not happen at all. That I, I just have to realize that. Then the question is at an end. There is, if it did not happen, why even ask about it happening? I've told a story about the monk who was discussing in Uttarkashi, who, who had these theories of punarjanma, multiple lifetimes in Indian philosophies as against the uh, Middle Eastern faiths, you know, that one lifetime, so, which is true. Arguments for this and arguments for that. And finally, he takes the whole argument to a, a non-dualist teacher in an ashram outside our ashram, just nearby. And this great non-dualist teacher, he was asked by our, the monk, his uh, is many lives, this theory, is it true? And then monk replied, he chuckled and he replied, Are Mahatma Ji, Jab Janmahi Nahi to Punar Janmakaheka, Ab Mandukya Padie. Oh monk, when there is no birth, where is the question of another birth? Where is the question of rebirth? Go and read the Mandukya. So that monk came back, he stormed back and he was grumbling to me. It's useless talking to this non-dualists. They'll all go back to Brahman and Maya, and that's it. You can't discuss anything seriously with them. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I think Anuradha and Gabriel, can you hold the questions for next time? We have really run out of time. Thank you very much. Uh, let's end this uh, at this point. Oh, I have to remind you, tomorrow we have a beautiful talk by Swami Atma Gyanananda. Did, did you receive the uh, email and the links? Uh, it's from 7.30 to 8.30. A wonderful talk on the occasion of Holy Mother's, Ma Sharada's birth anniversary. A wonderful senior Swami. Um, he, of course, does not publicize it, but he is a uh, he is a PhD in Vaishnava Vedanta studies. Uh, one of the classic texts of Vaishnava Vedanta is published. He has translated it, but it's published under his pre-monastic name, Stuart Elkman. So he never talks about it. But in Motilal Banarsi Das and all, it's it's there. The, the book is an important uh, uh, translation. Uh, so, so he will speak tomorrow, Stuart Maharaj, Swami Atma Gyananandaji from our Washington, D.C., a Maryland center, actually. All right, 7.30 tomorrow. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ramakrishna Rupanamastu